from iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case Roe v. Wade, starring Maya Hawke as 26-year-old lead attorney Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee William H. Macy as Supreme Court Justice Harry Blackman. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. Listen to the podcast Supreme, the battle for Roe on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Secure our territory. Secure our turf. Because it's all our turf. Elite, Kenny and the Bucks, listen, it's that undisputed, yeah, we're here to shock the system, is this a war zone going down on Wednesday nights, this a fight, this is NXT vs. Dynamite, weekly battles, rating shattered, this a revolution, this is change to what the game is used to doing, this is all about that dark and light contrast, welcome to the Fight for Wednesday Night Podcast. podcast. Welcome to the Fight for Wednesday Night Podcast. I'm your host, Mike De Niro. I'm joined here with G-Rock. Before we get into the show, I just want to give a big shout out and thank all our subscribers from all over the world. We're global. Everyone from Australia, Ecuador, uh, England, Canada, India, and of course the USA. Thank you so much for subscribing to the podcast, following us on Instagram at Fight for Wednesday Night, and subscribing to our YouTube at Fight for Wednesday Night. Welcome back, Wednesday Night Warrior. I hope you guys are doing well. I know I'm doing well. It's been a good week for me. I think we got uh, two good episodes this week. I'm I'm pretty happy with. Yeah. Uh, this week, personally, I was able to rekindle a friendship after eight years. So that's always a good feeling. Uh, how was your week, De Niro? This week, I heard that Chris Rock was in uh, in Rockefeller Center. Ironically, didn't get to meet him, but I Chris Rock and Rockefeller. Yeah, yeah. How fitting. Yeah, I would have loved to meet him, but right now, that was the only famous guy that came to Rockefeller Center this week. It was a pretty normal week for me, so I've been looking forward to this. Right. A little excitement to the life, you know? And you know what? Let, let's jump into it. Let's, let's jump into uh, what the wrestling world is buzzing about with Jake the Snake Roberts appearing on AEW. Yeah. Holy shit. What a shock. Yeah. What a shock. Yeah, I mean, when that music hit, I was like, huh? What? And then when I saw Jake the Snake... <laughs> yeah, I guess his name popped up on the title. I was like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, my sentiments exactly. Like, <laughs> I not to say mark out like Matt Striker, but I marked out, bro. <laughs> <laughs> you you know, never know. You know yeah. what? It, it, it's funny. I mean, you know, I I I joked about it. I think uh, last week or like two weeks ago about like if anybody ever received the WCW paycheck, you may be getting a call <laughs> from Cody. But or maybe uh, a classic Federation era WWF. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, you know, um, but yeah. I mean, first off, we get this this uh, Cody promo. You know, him just talking about his letdown with MJF and whatnot, mm-hmm. and. 
you know, at first I wasn't sure. I was like, oh, are we going to stick with this? Yeah. You know, are we going to have like a rematch or like what's going on? But then we get Jake the Snake Roberts come out and it's like, okay, wow, like, holy shit. Like, what the fuck? But then, I mean, after you got over, like, after I got over that moment, yeah. I was like, okay, well, where is this going to go? Like, what is he What's here, here for? for? Yeah, Exactly. You know? And like classic Jake the Snake, man, he put on a fucking promo. Yeah. I just want to say the key word that you just said is classic Jake the Snake. Jake the Snake has always been like a real dark character who cuts magnificent promos. Now, I really was scared. Like, I love that Jake the Snake came out, but as soon as like he came out, I was like, I really hope this is not another legend boasting Cody saying, don't worry, pal, you're going to gotta get back in there and you'll be MJF. No, I, I love that, you know, these wrestling legends come, but not all of them need to like boast, boost Cody's ego. So I like that this was like the opposite and he actually was tearing Cody down. Now, something that I've always said when I was thinking about people who could be great managers in wrestling. I always said, hey, a great guy to bring in as a manager would be Jake the Snake. Kind of like that Raven factor where he cuts like real like devious dark promos and he's so good at what he does that he would be perfect for like that managerial role. So I'm so excited to see where this is going because it looks like that's the route that they're going to be going in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the keyword he mentioned about client. So obviously he's bringing in somebody. Jake the Snake is not lacing up the boots. (laughs) But um, hopefully not. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, I don't. I, I definitely can uh, probably cross that one out. But yeah, just like you said, you know what? Like that was the same thing that was going through my head. I was thinking like, OK, here we go. Another classic wrestler. And, you know, we know the bond that Jake the Snake has with DDP and D- DDP has aligned himself with Cody. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking the same thing like, oh, God, are we going to get, you know, another legend kind of pairing up? Another and team nightmare or whatever. Nightmare, nightmare team. family, whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. But exactly like you said, this was the complete opposite. I mean, you know, just off of the promo he cut, I was just blown away. I was just like, now that's how you cut a fucking promo. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, For any of the guys in the back, take notes, man. Take notes. You know, especially I love the way he ended it with uh, you don't turn your back on a man that you respect respect or you fear. And he just tosses the fucking mic behind him at him. While turning his back. Yeah, Yeah, that was awesome, man. Yeah. Awesome. But you know what, though? I want to get into a little bit deeper. So outside of the wow factor of Jake the mm-hmm. Snake, it's like, okay, well, who is this client? What's going to be the next thing? Now, there is so many rumors, you know, swirling around. There's so many guys that we've heard mentioned with AW. Uh, one guy in particular, Lance Archer, was supposed to be on this card, right? He was sort of announced. Yeah. And we didn't get Lance Archer. So that that was a possibility. The wrestling world is also buzzing about Matt Hardy. He's obviously yep, yep. You have him right here. Not the physical Matt Hardy, but <laughs> yes. <laughs> but uh, you know, it's it seems like it's official now. He is going to be you know joining AEW, which I personally can't see. Brody Lee is a very interesting guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I know me and you personally, we talked about him possibly being the exalted one with the Dark Order, which would be very interesting. Which is something I would like. He's a large figure, good character. I think he's a guy that would push them over. But in this aspect, I could see it being Brody Lee on uh, Instagram. I would love to give the credit to who this was or who posted it up. I don't know. Repost, repost, repost. So who the fuck knows? But somebody really... I, I it. I'll bring it up. I do want to give this guy credit. Okay. All right. We're, we're, we're not going to cut anybody out. Here. It was on Twitter at the Crazy Show X 2 You want me to read the tweet? Yes, please read the tweet. He wrote, Jay called Cody Caesar. Caesar was betrayed by Ides of March. No, the it was betrayed in the Ides oh, of March. On the Ides of March. Ides of March is March 15th. The next show in Rochester 
is March 15th. So who is from Rochester? Brody Lee. Now, from the beginning, I've, I I heard the rumors that Brody Lee was supposed to debut on that show. Brody Lee's uh, non-compete clause, I believe, just ends this week. I think this, this weekend. Yeah, yeah, this Sunday. So it makes perfect sense that it would be. And one thing that really made me believe in that tweet, which was fucking brilliant. I mean, kudos to... The crazy show. <laughs> Mr. Crazy, great job. Mr. Crazy. Mr. Show. Yeah, yeah, Mr. Show. <laughs> you know, kudos to you yeah. for, for deep diving and, uh, you know, really analyzing every word. But one thing that Jake the Snake really did emphasize on was calling him Caesar. Yeah. So that's why I can believe this. I mean, a lot of times as wrestling fans, we... Reach. Yeah, we reach really <laughs> fucking far and hard. So I don't think with this one, I think this one kind of makes kind of makes sense. Uh, I could totally see this being Brody Lee. Yeah, I just want to say I really wanted to be Brody Lee. Um, one thing that Jake did say was someone's going to rise like a phoenix. We all know Brody Lee was kind of like kept down. Yes. And even though he is such a talent, like he's been like stuck at home and not wrestling. And WWE never really saw something in Brody Lee. And I think that would be a perfect rise like a phoenix story. I don't think that really... Uh, I don't really think that like really pertains to um, Lance Archer so much because other people are saying maybe it's Lance Archer. But also, one thing is Brody Lee had such a good character as Luke Harper, but he was never really a good promo guy. So now you get one of the best promo guys in the business to of all time, too, to be the mouthpiece of Brody Lee. Two quick things I want to say, two quick thoughts going back to the promo. One Jake still has it because he cut that promo like it was 1989. And two, here's a guy who worked extremely hard to clean his life up. And I am so glad that he's back in the business that he loves. Yeah. So it was a nice thing to see him clean, healthy, and back in wrestling, doing what he does best. Yeah. You know, outside of outside of uh, of just being a, a wrestling fan, but more on, on a personal note, I, I mentioned that to you about how happy I was to see him in this role. Mm-hmm. Uh for everything that you just said, but I think it also would help him personally to stay clean. You know, um, they say idle time is is a devil's play thing. Yeah. And uh, I mean, even though he's been clean for a while, it's good to be back in the business that you love and to be a part of it. And it gives you something to do, something to look forward to. Mm-hmm. And you know, like we just said, he's fucking amazing at it. Yeah. So you know, this is this is a perfect connection here. You know what I mean? This 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 really works. So. Hey, I'm excited for. I mean, it may not be Brody Lee, but for yeah. whoever it is, I don't care. I'm excited for this, and I'm I'm glad to see that we're turning the page uh, from MJF. But speaking of MJF, he cut an amazing promo as well, mm-hmm. as he does always. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. He's you know he's phenomenal at that. But uh, I love the way he goes about things. Mm-hmm. You know, with the T-shirt, with the uh, oh, man. I wish I could quote the line that he said that he he's. Was referring to the neck tattoo, yeah. like a regret. He said, it was, "Yeah, he said, oh, this shirt is like kind of like obnoxious, over the top, yeah. and like he said something like very regrettable." And he said, "Kind of like a neck tattoo," referring to Cody's nightmare uh, family neck tattoo that he just got. Yeah, I, I, I just, I fucking love it, man. When this guy opens his mouth, you know, it's full attention for me. Yeah. But one thing I thought was sort of key was that he was going down the list of, you know. Everybody and anybody who was going to get in his way or he was going to go through. And he mentioned Moxley, Mm -hmm. which I thought was interesting because we talked about it, this uh, big victory over Cody at Revolution. Yeah, we both mentioned how Moxley may – well, MJF may be the next guy in line for a title shot. Yeah, um, I would would think so. I haven't looked at the standings, so I can't say for sure what their ratings are or Mm -hmm. the standings go. But this would be a good fit. 
on top of that, there's a lot of other good fits. We just mentioned Lance Archer. Yeah. Now, I'm hearing that Lance Archer was supposed to be on this show, but that maybe – now, people are throwing this out there as well – that maybe creative thought that it was too much because Jake the Snake was kind of a last-minute thing. Mm-hmm. So they don't want to put you know all their surprises in, in, in one night, which yeah. I could understand. I mean it, I will say this though. I don't think it's right. If you advertise or you mention something, you yeah. stick to your fucking word. You know, as a man, as a company, you stick to your fucking word. So that's yeah. the only thing I don't like. I felt a little cheated, to be honest. Yeah, me yeah. too. I mean, I, you know, I didn't want to say anything, but all through the episode, like I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for it. And I thought with Mox and sort of their history in New Japan, mm-hmm. I thought he might come in towards the ending. Me too. I was expecting him to come in towards the ending. Yeah, yeah, me too as well. And you know, we never got that, as, especially like the way the. Mox and uh, Jericho match ended. Well, the Mox tag team match with Darby versus Jericho and Sammy match ended with them attacking him, and then Mox comes back out. I ex- like expected a big guy to come and like attack him from behind or something. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, jumping into that, jumping into with with, with the Mox Darby and versus the Inner Circle. When you just mentioned that, he was attacked at first, and then there was a long break, mm-hmm. and I thought, okay, this is a little too long. You know, I understand that they made it look like like uh, Jake Hager. Made him pass out with the head and arm choke. Yeah. But it was a little too long. So I thought maybe we go back and we see him being attacked by Lance Archer. I thought that would have been interesting. You know what I mean? That there's a reason why he still hasn't came out yet. But that was not the case. Yeah. So, you know, I I don't know. I don't know with that. I I thought it was actually going to be when Mox comes back out after the match because the whole inner circle is now around ringside from behind Lance Archer comes and like attacks him. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I don't know. There was there was many ways that I thought he could have been incorporated, and it did not happen. But I do want to say that all these weeks later, I believe it's like maybe week nine of this whole feud with the Inner Circle and John Moxley. AEW continues to keep this whole feud fresh because from the opening promo of the show where Moxley's talking about the belt and how this wasn't even Jericho's title, it's the people's title, and then the Inner Circle come out. Like, I don't know what it is, but every single time there's an interaction between Mox and Jericho, it's just like eyes glued to the television and I'm excited. So it's a testament to AEW for keeping this fresh even after every single week we have an interaction with Mox in the inner circle. It's still not like, all right, this again. So I'm really like happy that they're able to keep these ideas new for how they could keep going with this feud. Yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree with that. Um, It, it was still a, a difference than how they've gone about it in the past. Yeah. But personally, I was looking forward to this being a tag match. Now, don't get me wrong. I wasn't disappointed in the match that we got. Mm-hmm. Uh, they built a star in Darby. They yeah. built an amazing star in Darby. They've been doing a, a great job at building stars. We talked about that on the Revolution podcast. Mm-hmm. We continue to bring that up you know, every now and then on the podcast about AEW. And this show is just another example of them building stars. And I thought it was brilliant. You know, you have Mox being you know, attacked, choked out. And forces Darby to kind of do this one solo. Yeah. Which obviously, you know, he did a great job. And of course, the, the, the crowd is going to get behind him, and which they did. And it was, it was a great job at doing that. But I also felt that as a fan, if I'm there, right, in Bloomfield, Colorado, I'm excited for this. Mm-hmm. I know when this match was, was announced, I was excited for this. I would expect Moxley. Yeah. It's like we're going to keep the same energy that we have when we like this WWE about this. Like, this past Monday, not to go into it, like I was very excited to see AJ Styles versus Aleister Black. We didn't get a clean AJ Styles versus yeah. Aleister Black match. And if I was there live, which I thought about going, I would have felt cheated. So 
AEW fans who went there knowing this match was announced beforehand and was expecting Moxley versus, well, Moxley and Darby Allen versus the Inner Circle, you didn't get that. And I would have been a little upset about that. Yeah, I mean, I'm just glad that they put on such a hell of a performance. You kind of forget. Yeah, you you did kind of forget. You know what I mean? And they also, you know, had that attack afterwards on Mox and, and they put him to the table. and Shield style. Did yeah. you notice that? They did a triple power bomb, kind of like the shield. So that was like a little like... Good catch. Mm-hmm. Good catch. And also Jericho was going down the list of nicknames for Moxley earlier in the show and said lunatic fringe. So they alluded to Dean Ambrose twice. Yeah. Basically. Oh, that you know, that was that was a really good catch because honestly that one flew over my head. Uh, but yeah, I mean that whole segment, you know, that was pretty crazy. So like I felt like they still gave the crowd, you know, still something. It was still a big bang at the end. So that was awesome. Yeah. But still nonetheless, you didn't get Mox and Darby yeah. as a tag team. And I personally I wanted to see how they would be as a tag team. But fine, whatever. I'm not going to hold such a big gripe over it. But earlier in the show, like you alluded to, the uh, the promo between Mox and um, and Jericho was a little interesting because Jericho was talking about a hiatus, right? He said that, I guarantee you won't walk out of this building on your own two feet. And he was putting his, I guess, time on the roster at stake there. Yeah. 30 days and 60 days, which honestly, personally, for us, it made me really fucking nervous because yeah. we have tickets for the Blood and Guts uh, show. Yeah, in Newark. So I was like, crap. Like, that's the first, selfishly, that's the first thing I thought of. Like, no, we're not going to see Jericho, but I, I kind of want to hear Judas live. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I kind of want to sing Judas live. Exactly. But Swerve, he actually was right. Moxley didn't walk out on his own two feet while Jericho did. So I think maybe he does take a hiatus soon, but maybe not too soon. Maybe they do build to a match at Blood and Guts. Maybe that is the match at Blood and Guts. But the interesting part is that. Are they sticking with this inner circle versus Mox still? Like I think just until Jericho gets his rematch, which possibly could be at Blood and Guts, since that's the next oh, big show. I didn't even think about so that. if they build up for another two weeks, like I wouldn't complain if it's like two, three more weeks of this. If it means they're going to get the rematch out the way. That was that was my sentiment exactly. I thought that this may continue a little bit longer and then somehow, some way, somebody maybe Archer, um, because I, I really like that idea. Mm-hmm. Or even an MJF, some way, somehow. Yeah. Um, which I think is interesting because the WWE style is sort of as soon as the pay-per-view is over, it's kind of we start the new feud, you know, yeah. for the next four weeks. Uh, but this this has been carrying on for quite a long time. Mm-hmm. And like you said, it still has some seam to it. So I'm not angry with it, but I would like to see at some point something fresh. Off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's give us the yeah. final blow off and let's start moving on. Just like we're getting with Cody, starting to move on and move forward. So that's that's all I got to say about that. The match itself was was great. You know, Darby, like I said, is I mean, his stock is just soaring. He's a star. He was a star before this. In my eyes, I think he's growing even more so. Uh, Kudos to to him and Jericho for the um, the timing on the uh, Judas effect. The timing on that was absolutely superb. And the accuracy. I think. Well, it was revealed that Darby Allen was taken to the hospital after the show, like legitimately. So I wouldn't be surprised if he got knocked loopy with that one. Yeah, he, but, he just dropped. Yeah. Like lifeless, dropped. Overall, thoughts of the show? I really enjoyed it. It was a really good show. I think that a lot of people did take this week off because of like how much, I guess, they put their bodies on the line for Revolution. Yeah. So we didn't have Kenny Omega. We didn't have the Bucks. Even, even Nick. Though, yeah. yeah, Nick. We seen like some action with Matt, but we didn't have like a Young Bucks match. Even Moxley, maybe Moxley was so banged up that they said, "Hey, we're not going. You're not going to wrestle a full match." Good point. So, but 
even without those stars, they showed that they could still put on an excellent show. I want to just give two uh, final, final thoughts. thoughts. Go for One, it. it's really cool to see Colt Cabana in AEW. Yes. And I was very impressed with him. I, I was very too. impressed. I really think that's a perfect fit for him. Yes. And I like the teaming with the SEU. Talking about teams, I really want to give another final thought and give a shout out to the Death Triangle. Yes. Or what did they say? El Triangulo de la Muerte, whatever. <laughs> uh, really awesome. I think that it's cool. We've seen like some association between these three men. It's nice that now they're actually in a faction together and Pac and the Lucha Brothers together is just like money to me, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the the, the team being kind of put together, it's just it's a little odd. But if you look at just talent alone yeah. and stylistic, this is just perfect. Mm-hmm. This is perfect. And like we said, we've seen them in uh, the six-man tag against the Elite, and they worked very well together. Yeah, and they're very entertaining. So I, I'm really excited moving forward to see where they where they go. It seems like they're going to be uh, kind of going off uh, the best friends and kind of having a little feud with them. Mm-hmm. But there's so many trios, and and that's the thing with AW. They have so many factions. Uh, it's very interesting. You know, it is very interesting, but it's exciting. And they yeah. they it, they incorporate it with their stories, and that's how they're able to drag out their stories. So I'm not mad at it. I, I was really excited. I, I like this. Same. So like we said, overall, this was a solid show. The only thing I will say, as as for my final thought, is that AW always has me wanting more and questioning what's going to happen next week. But a lot of it has to do with surprises. Uh, we keep getting, you know, rumors of new signees or guys that are supposed to debut. Like we said this week, we got Jake the Snake. Nobody saw that one coming. Yeah. We were expecting Lance Archer. We're still expecting Lance Archer. We're expecting Matt Hardy. We're expecting Brody Lee. But at some point, the signings are going to stop. You know, this is a roster that's still being built. And it's leading to the excitement of next week because I'm always wondering, like, who's a new toy, you know? But I'm just sort of curious if this is... How do I say if this can continue, for lack of better words, without having new signees or, you know, new acquisitions coming along? May I just answer that? In my opinion, I think it can because even without the new signees, the stories that are being built on these shows are just amazing and keeps me watching even more. To be honest, the stories between like the elite and all the and Omega and Hangman stuff like that like I'm not even thinking about Matt Hardy at the time I'm not even thinking about Brody Lee so it's like I'm so invested in the stories that they're building with the roster that they have that even if there's no one signed for like the next year I feel like I'm intrigued with the show no without a yeah. doubt without a doubt and and like I said I I really love their storytelling and their storytelling even in their matches it's it's phenomenal but it's just something I was just thinking about mm-hmm. uh cuz you know they keep getting the buzz with these new guys coming in yeah. Uh, and I'm just wondering if it's sustainable. That's all I'm saying. Guess we'll, yeah, I guess we'll we're going right? to have to see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But now moving on to NXT. Let's do it. This week was much better than I, I believe the, the previous weeks. Uh, last week was better than the week before that, but it was still lackluster. Mm-hmm. I thought this was definitely a bump up. I thought it was like two notches above. We get these, you know, two cage matches. But... Something that was overlooked was I did really appreciate the Austin Theory and the Swerve Scott match. Me too. Now, these are two guys that are super talented, super talented. Sky's the limit for talent. And they put on an awesome match. I would have liked to see a little bit more time. I hope that at some point their stock rises and and we'll see this matchup again. Uh, Because like I said, I mean, what these guys athletically can do is phenomenal. Now, Austin Theory 
goes over on this one, which I thought was a little interesting because he is really fresh and really new. And I thought it was interesting because a couple of weeks ago you played him out. Yeah, I was going to say, that's why it's interesting. He he looked like a jabroni. And now my problem is, is that you're also playing out Swerve Scott week in and week out. Now he haven't, he hasn't wrestled in a while. Like I said, I don't, I think it was uh, Angel Garza. Yeah. That was like what, maybe three, four weeks ago. Yeah. Which he lost. Yeah. Now this is a guy that has a lot of talent. Now the characters, hmm, it's okay, but I think talent alone, I mean, he should be getting some W's, you know what I mean? Yeah. Now I'm guilty of not watching enough 205 Live. I know he also appears on that show. I don't know how he's doing there. But, yeah, I don't know. I feel like both of these guys kind of needed a win, but I didn't think a, a loss would hurt Austin Theory more than it would hurt Swerve Scott because Swerve Scott is constantly losing. I only remember him winning two matches, and it was like the, the six-man tag he had with um, the Fashion Police and then also the match that he had to qualify for Worlds Collide, Yeah, that um, the four-way for the Cruiserweight champion. Yeah. So, And he's had a plethora of matches. So if I only remember two wins, that's pretty bad. I do like that they're showcasing their young talent and their stars of tomorrow. And these are two guys maybe in the next like year or two that could be wrestling for the NXT World title. But right now, I don't know. I, I really did enjoy the match. I don't want to say I didn't enjoy it. But I think right now... The guy to go with should be Swerve Scott because Austin Theory still, I think, he's not there yet to be getting these big wins. I think he's still a guy that you build. Just like last week, the match with Ciampa, he has a lot of offense in the match and shows that he has fight and heart, but he loses the match. I think that would have been another perfect opportunity to do that with him and Swerve. So you could say Swerve won, but yo, Theory kept on fighting and you know he comes back every week stronger and stronger. Yeah, he did his thing. You know, yeah. you, could, you could hang your hat on that. Now, I thought it was interesting because even prior to, you know, before I get into that, the way they set this match up was a bullshit segment of Theory being interviewed, I guess, outside of Full Sail. And Swerve Scott happened to be around in the back there, and he overhears Austin Theory calling himself the GOAT, which I just thought was super lame. You know, like like I, I said, like right now, NXT's creative is not really winning me over right now. Yeah. So whatever. He calls himself to go and Swerve Scott has a problem with that. And so they have this match. Mm -hmm. Now, I thought this would have been a perfect opportunity because it seemed like Austin Theory is sort of going heel or like a heelish character. So I thought this would be a great opportunity to have Swerve Scott go over and due to the loss that Theory received and also received last week uh, with Ciampa, that maybe he attacks him. And maybe we start getting some sort of viciousness or something. Because what the fuck? We don't know anything about this guy outside of then he's a a great performer and he's young. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you this right now from someone who does know a little bit of his work before WWE. He did have that vicious edge and those heel tendencies in Evolve. That's why he kept the title for so long. So I would like to see a lot more of that in NXT. Because I think it's funny. We just seen the uh, Ruthless Aggression documentary about John Cena and how he had all the talent in the world, but he was so bland as a character. I see that in Austin Theory right now. He's very talented. He has a great look, but he's bland. Yeah, yeah, so. that, 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 that's what I was going with, is that it is bland to me. And like I said, I'm a fan. Me too. And I want to continue to be a fan. But you do need character. Protesters and supporters alike are lined up outside the United States Supreme Court this afternoon as a decision in the most hotly debated case in years is set to be delivered. 
From iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case, Roe v. Wade. Sir, I graduated the top quarter of my class. We, we just, just don't, don't have a spot for you. Starring Maya Hawk as 26-year-old lead attorney, Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee, William H. Macy, as Supreme Court Justice Harry Blackman. My chief qualification being... I'm uncontroversial. You know how we both ended up on the Supreme Court? Politics. Damn right. This may be the longest of shots, but it's also the last chance for a lot of women. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. I'm trying to get you to stand for something, man. Now go to it. Listen to Supreme, the battle for Roe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day, your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. And I thought it would have been a win-win if you have Swerve Scott win and you have Austin Theory develop some sort of character after this match. But we didn't get that. So I don't know. I'm, I'm really hoping that they do something with this guy and, and, and start having some sort of creative behind him. Because I do believe this guy can be a future star in NXT. I, I totally agree. One thing that we did get, though, was not one, but two cage matches. Now, last week they said, oh, we're going to keep the cage down. They didn't. They had one at the beginning of the show, yeah, one at the end yeah. of the show. Which I thought was interesting. I yeah. thought that was pretty interesting. It is pretty interesting. We started out the show with Dakota Kai and with Tegan Knox in the cage match. If I, I'm sorry to cut you off there, De Niro, but I just wanted to point out that with these these double cage matches, it sort of felt like they were playing catch-up with AEW. I, that was going to be my point because, I don't know, so... And that's going to lead to something else that I want to talk with my final thoughts. Oh, me too. Yeah, <laughs> because you have... AEW do a cage, NXT is doing a cage a couple weeks later. You have JR doing interviews backstage, with sit-down interviews with the Bucks and uh, Omega and Hangman. Yes, yes. And then we have Morrow doing the same with Gargano. Gargano yeah. We have cinematic uh, vignettes. Now we're getting cinematic vignettes with NXT. So it'll, it does look like they're playing catch-up. But right now, let's talk about Tegan and Kai. I personally liked most of the match, did not like the ending. I think that when Kai, well, not Kai, when uh, Tegan Knox was on the, the way down, right, she had so much time to just, like, jump down or climb down, and she's waiting for Raquel Gonzalez to, like, pick her spot and get involved. Yeah. And it's like, I knew something was going to happen because you got Kai on the ground, and you got Tegan just there waiting. And I'm like, why are you not climbing? And then you saw when she, like, sandwiched her against the uh, cage and the door it was like all right that's why she was waiting so it was just a little i guess like clunky which has been something with the women division lately in nxt which is a little surprising because i would expect that in AEW and not nxt yeah but yeah and then i do i don't like the fact that 
Dakota Kai won again with the help of Raquel Gonzalez because the fact that it was a cage match was to keep Raquel Gonzalez away from yes. the match. Uh, I'm sorry. I, this is where I got to jump in. Now, you if, if you listen to this podcast for weeks, you know my sentiment about this whole feud with Dakota and, and, uh, and Tegan. I am not pleased by any means. Now, this match was okay. It was just okay to me, though. Now, you know, I played a little armchair quarterback. I told you how I would have done it. And I continue to think about ways that they could have went about this and even involving Ripley and building her star power a little bit more and having this kind of involved. I digress. That's not the case. Now, I don't mind, you know, hey, that's my idea. But the way they're going about this is just so wrong. So wrong. The reason you had the fucking cage was exactly why you said to keep Raquel out. Now, Raquel was a huge factor in this match. So, so what the, the fuck was the point? Just like, what was the point of, of uh, Dakota having this vicious edge, attacking Tegan at uh, War Games, but then week in and week out, she's going to lose? Mm-hmm. Like, I just don't understand it. Me either. And, and you, like you just said, is that she keeps needing the help, and, and that's the way she, she wins. And on top of that, it was just very clunky. Exactly like you said. Because Raquel was holding the door shut. Now, here's the deal. This just goes across the board in professional wrestling. I don't like the door being involved in a cage match. What the fuck is the point of a cage match if I could walk right out? Why the fuck am I going to take my time and climb up 10 to 12 feet of a cage and risk calming down? Come on. That's just stupidity. Where's the reality here? Lock that fucking door. Ain't nobody coming out until you climb over. Simple as that. To be honest, and I even told you this during the show, I'm not a fan of the escape rule. I like the old school classic cage matches where you had to win with pinfall or submission. It was just there's a cage around the ring that you could use to cause damage. I like that more than the escape rule. You see, I don't mind the escape rule because we get a lot of interesting segments from it. We get a lot of big spots from it. So I don't mind it. I really don't. But it's the door that fucking bothers me. My response to that is one of the biggest spots in the cage match in recent memory was Cody's big spot off the top. And there was no escape rule with that. So I don't think that that would tamper the spots. I think that it's a little boring. You know, when someone's climbing up and you got the cat and mouse chase, it's like you already seen it like 10,000 times. Like, I don't wish to see like them doing the same thing all the time. Like when someone tries to escape and then the person catches them and they're halfway down and they climb back up somehow because they're caught. It's just stupid. But you know what, though? I, I will say this is that I think that ending was a little bit interesting, um, even though it was a little weird with Raquel holding Tegan and first off holding the door and then her holding the door on Tegan, uh, allowing Dakota to, to escape. I thought at least that was different. So, you know, I give them A for effort, even though it was kind of poorly executed. Yeah. Because another thing that I saw was that Dakota just got, I think it was her head or her leg, whatever it was, just slammed against that cage, right? And then probably about like 10 seconds later, she's running. She runs right out. So that just that just didn't look right to me. You know what I mean? They obviously didn't watch Kenny's match at Revolution where you actually sell your injury. But I digress. We got another cage match for the night and it ended the show. It was Velveteen Dream versus Roderick. Now, at this point, like I mentioned before to you that I'm not really a fan of having multiple of the same gimmick match on one show yeah so to be honest when the cage came back down i really did not care and 
the match was good, but I did not care that it was in the cage because we've seen a cage match already. Yeah. And that's the same thing for like Hell in a Cell pay-per-views where there's three of them on. By the last one, it's like, who cares? TLC, same thing. You know, Elimination Chamber, there's going to be like three, I think, this year. It's like, who cares? If it's a party it every night, are we celebrating? Exactly. It doesn't matter. So that took away from this match. And I don't know. I think that it would have been better if you wanted to have this blow off to be in a cage to maybe space it out a couple weeks. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Uh, the Tegan and uh, and the Dakota one, I was disappointed because this has been brewing. But I thought that, you know, it deserved to be in a cage. With Dream and Roddy, eh, it didn't need to be for me. Could have been a street fight. We could have called it a night, to be honest, in my opinion. Yeah, and like you said, I, I would have liked to see it be spaced out. But my sentiments about this match was it was really good to me. I, I did like it. Um, I think Dream redeemed himself from that piss poor performance he had with Roddy uh, two nights ago. I mean, two mm-hmm. weeks ago, excuse me. So at least this was good. You know, where I felt like the Dakota and the no- and the Tegan Knox one really fell short. This one sort of made up for it. Yeah. I I did like that Dream looked strong, but he looked strong with weapons. And that was his way of taking them out. It wasn't him diving off the top with a you know axe handle and taking four guys out he actually put in some work with this one but i like the fact that protesters and supporters alike are lined up outside the united states supreme court this afternoon as a decision in the most hotly debated case in years is set to be delivered from iheart podcast supreme the battle for roe tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case roe v wade sir i graduated the top quarter of my class we, we just, just don't, don't have a spot for you starring maya hawk as 26 year old lead attorney sarah weddington for challenging the texas abortion laws in federal court and academy award nominee william h macy as supreme court justice harry blackman my chief qualification being I'm uncontroversial. You know how we both ended up on the Supreme Court? Politics. Damn right. This may be the longest of shots, but it's also the last chance for a lot of women. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. I'm trying to get you to stand for something, man. Now go to it. Listen to Supreme, the battle for Roe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day, your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. We're starting to see like it it's, looks like we're going to go with a Dream and Cole feud moving forward. I just want to say that when Velveteen Dream was at the top of the cage and the Undisputed Arrow was outside and he jumped down to grab the kendo stick to hit them off from climbing into the cage, I thought that was the stupidest spot of the night. To be honest, if you're going to go up there to do a dive... Why just jump down to grab the candlestick? And then, in my opinion, if you're going to go do a dive, why not dive to the outside onto Undisputed Era and win the match in the freaking process? You know what? I totally forgot about that, and you're 100% he right. He looks stupid. I, I was thinking the same thing. I was thinking, you know, here's your big moment. 
Now, I thought it was a little telegraphed. So I, they were all bunched up. Yes. I was like, he's going to dive on them and win in the process. This is awesome. Yeah. And then when he just jumped down on his feet, I was like, Ugh. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. I, you know what? That I've totally forgot about that. But yeah, you're totally right. Like, it definitely seemed like it was telegraphed. There was going to be a big moment there. And I thought, okay. I, you know, even though, you know, we saw that, that Cody uh, Moonsault, mm-hmm. it would have even more seemed like they're taking plays I, out of their yeah. book. I thought we won't get the elbow drop from the top. But either way, I didn't give a fuck. Because I was just like, you know. It's a smart move right now. And it's the big ah moment. You know what I mean? But like you said, he didn't do that. Yeah. And it did seem very awkward. Now, here's the deal. I'm a big Velveteen Dream fan. I think it's more of the character and the way he sells it. In the ring, I'm starting to notice things more and more. I'm sorry, what was that? There's much to be desired. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You know, he's still relatively fresh in the business. He still has a lot of room for growth. And I think we see that, especially in this match, like you said, with missing that spot with the kendo stick. There was even moments where it didn't look like like it looked like he didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. He kind of was like a chicken without a head. He was, do I do this? Do I do that? So I don't know. You know, that ring awareness is just not there for him. But nonetheless, I thought this was a quality match. I thought the ending was still good. Um it was awkward again at the end because it seemed like he didn't know what to do. Like he picked up the belt, kind of dropped it, then didn't know to pick mm-hmm. it up again. Like he was looking for a moment to have a spot or to have, I don't know, something plastered for their recap show for next week. Yeah. So I guess he so finally we could just... have the same generic rock song and then. Yeah, yep, exactly. So he decided to yeah. finally pick the fucking belt up and just, uh, you know, this is what I'm coming for. Whatever. I just want to say that what really took away what I took away from this match was it was a good match, just like Dakota and Tegan was a good match, but the ending of the match was clunky and just seemed awkward. And that's both cage matches ending in a very awkward moment. So that just like knocked the wind out of my sails. Uh, well, and one second there. I didn't mind him kind of pushing. I, I think if I'm not saying he pushed Roddy was or or out the door or something like that. No, that's fine. But I'm talking about like the ending sequence of him jumping down to grab the kendo stick. And yeah, that, that yeah, was yeah, just yeah. very weird to me. But I, And I, after that, it was just like... I, I did like the fact of him kind of pushing Roddy out. Like, yeah, I, don't, like I don't give a fuck about I don't care about, about the win. I want Cole. Exactly. But, so, I, you know, kudos on, on that. But it was just kind of weird that there was handcuffs there. Yeah. I, I just <laughs> want to say that now this is two times after he returned that we've seen the Velveteen Dream Match. Now, after the TakeOver show, if you go back to the TakeOver episode where we reviewed the show and you said, who's next for Cole? I said, hey, it could be Velveteen Dream. Yeah, you did say that. But after the performance he had the couple days after when he fought Roddy and then this performance where he is a great character but his in-ring IQ is not there yet, Yeah, I don't feel so confident if they're leading towards... Takeover Tampa, the biggest takeover of the year where they're WrestleMania weekend. I don't feel so confident if the main event is Adam Cole versus Velveteen Dream. If Adam Cole is like a ring like master and then you have Velveteen Dream who needs to like catch up. Yeah, you know, I was going to say that if that is the direction that they're going in, it's the fucking wrong time for that. Yeah, because the next takeover is going to be a huge takeover. So, ah, I don't know. I mean, if that is, if that is, I mean, we have a couple of weeks, you know, for the buildup and to see, you know, more clarity into what's going to happen. But if that is the case, then, I mean, Adam Cole is going to have to go above and beyond and really carry this match in my eyes. Like, I know Velveteen is okay, but exactly like you said, I think you hit it right on the head that his in-ring IQ is just, it's it's not there. Yeah, and I do think that, 
I'm just going to give him the benefit of the doubt here, right? I'm going to play devil's advocate. Before he got injured, he was having better matches. So maybe he's still knocking off the rust. This is only a second match back, and his second match back is a cage match. So it is kind of hard. Yeah. And then not only that, it is a cage match. That's the second cage match on the night. So now you have to play, like you have to watch that match and do something that's different than the girls, well, than the females did, because you want to, you don't want to like similar looking matches where you got the big spot off the top and then you have like a cage uh, door spot. So you have to like watch a match that happened earlier and do something totally different. So that is hard. But I do want to point out that there was no spot off the cage. No, that's what I'm saying. Like that for, for either one of them. And I well, kind of no, thought no, no, that no. Tegan, Tegan uh, did a dive. She did a cross body on Dakota off the top, but okay. Yeah. Because of that, I feel like Velveteen couldn't do that. That's why I thought mm. something different would be him diving to the outside. Yeah. But then he would have won the match and we know he didn't win the match. So then I understand why he didn't do it, but I didn't think that it was executed properly the way he just jumped down, landed on his feet. Like, yes. hey, anybody could just jump from this height and land on their feet. Now, that leads me to the, my next point. This looked like a freaking toy play set compared to AEW's <laughs> mega cage. AEW's yeah. cage looked like a freaking tower yes. where a, uh, NXT's cage looked like there. And you know what? It did look like it was like plastic in a way. It didn't even look like metallic to me. Like the, the the top like um structure for them to stand on. It, it just would, looked, You know yeah. what? I got to believe that it was extremely light and hollow um it was probably some like really light aluminum it's not the normal cage that they use usually wwe for raw and smackdown their cages has the big trusk at the top yeah yeah but the thing is i'm thinking probably because of the full sale structure exactly i mean you could even see in the gap in between with a post star yeah it just didn't look right yeah it was nothing to be admired it just is what it is you know it was only slightly bigger than than the ring post it was probably about three four feet that's why i said at best maybe you know 10 feet if you really want to push it and you want to lie about it, maybe 12, but that's pushing it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the cage was just, eh, it was just okay. I mean, all in all, I mean, this just was, I don't know. It was, it was, it was good for what it was, but everything that you just said, it's correct to me. I mean, there was a lot of spots and moments that could have been tightened up a bit. Mm -hmm. I'm just hoping that, you know, moving forward, we start seeing things culminating and start getting a little bit cleaner. Yeah. Now, some of my final thoughts here. Earlier, you mentioned the Gargano sit-down, and uh, this really just bothered me because of everything you said about how it was very similar to the JR sit-downs, and that's exactly what I got. Gargano was being interviewed, and he just said a whole lot of nothing. We didn't get shit from that. So with the JR sit-downs, it's very emotional. We get an insight. We come away with a lot from it, like we did with Santana, like we did with uh, with the Elite. And there was one other I can't remember off the top of my head that was pretty good as well. I think the very first sit-down he did. Yeah. It might have been with Cody or something like that where it was, it was really good. But this one, it was just like he wasn't answering anything. And then he starts bringing his relationship with Morrow and then he starts pinning it on Morrow and Morrow's calling. And I'm just like, what the fuck? Where are you going? Now, we mentioned in the past how Johnny's not really much of the talker. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason why he's known as Johnny Wrestling, you know, stick to wrestling. But if you're going to put him in this moment, I mean, what was the idea here? What were we supposed to get from this? Because I didn't get a fucking thing. All I got is that he's no he's no longer friends with Morrow. Yeah, <laughs> you know? And something that about that that made me feel really uncomfortable is we all know that Morrow suffers from bipolar and... I don't know, like, it just was, like, really hitting close to home, and you could see in Morrow's face, like, it was making him feel uncomfortable. I don't know, like, mm-hmm. I'm sure he was, he's in on the story, of course, but... Yeah, I, I'm it, sorry, I don't... It just seemed like, I don't know, I, I think that they were 
walking a fine line there, and it was a little, yeah. I don't know, uncomfortable for me. I don't know, Daniel. I'm going to have to disagree with you on that one. I don't think they didn't push that button. Uh, if they did, that might have made it a little bit more interesting for me. But I don't feel like that was the reason. I think Mar was uncomfortable because he was feeding off of Johnny Gargano's uncomfortable energy. Yeah. Johnny doesn't really talk that well. And I think it was it was proven. He was just nervous and he kept on like acting like he was going to get up. But that was just all a ploy for him to figure out what the fuck he was going to say. Yeah, it's like it's like the dude that you're about to fight, and he's like, "I'm going to beat you up. I'm going to do it's it." It's all like, talk. Yeah, what are you doing, man? Yeah, like just not, like, not saying I would have liked him to hit. No, but no, I, no. I think that yeah, he he didn't say anything of substance or I don't know. There's no quality. There was yeah. absolutely no quality in that. So what the fuck was this? And was I think them, yeah. I, I felt like that was the uneasiness from Morrow. And then I think Morrow, being the professional, I think he. <laughs> What are you laughing about? He was uneasy because he really wants to say, John, you're cutting a whack promo here. Yeah. You know, I honestly believe that it was Morrow that sort of saved this because I think he felt like, okay, Johnny, you ain't going anywhere with this. And Johnny starts being aggressive with him. And he's just, he wanted to build up Johnny Mm -hmm. and at least give himself an out and the way to cut this. And it's just like, all right, guys, I'm feeling uncomfortable here. Yeah. But like, I just feel like, you know, kudos to Morrow on that one. But it was a big fail on Johnny. Yeah. I I don't know. I agree. Um, you have any more final thoughts? Because yeah, I, you know right. what? I actually have a couple with with this. One, I just want to point out. I'm not going to go into it, but I think the wrong person went over with the Chelsea Green and Shotzi Blackheart. That mine. Yeah. That's fucking bullshit. You know, I mean, I'm I'm a little biased because I really like Shotzi, but there's a reason for that. Yeah, she has more character and she's a better wrestler, and I think she has more markability than fucking Chelsea Green, who's just a pretty face where there's a dime a dozen. I think Chelsea Green needs to bring back her Laurel Van Ness character where she was like half crazy and wearing like half makeup crazy and then normal on the other side where if you remember her, her yeah, impact wrestling gimmick. Yeah, of course. I actually, has, I actually has, enjoyed it. She has no gimmick here and that's bothersome. But that was my uh, final thoughts for this show. I actually had maybe like two more after this, but I'll let you finish yours. I'm going to let you finish, G. But <laughs> no, nah, but... Uh, Thank you. Yeah, I I feel like right now, you know, we haven't seen much of Shotzi, but every time we see Shotzi, we know that she's over. The crowd loves her. She has a character and I want them to continue building on this and this is leading to a ladder match at TakeOver. I thought Shotzi would have been awesome in that match. So I was kind of upset to see that. Yeah. I I thought Shotzi was going to win. Yeah, me too. I thought that was a no-brainer. That was a no-brainer in my mind. Shotzi wins this one. Mm -hmm. She's a much better wrestler and and for all the reasons I mentioned before. But whatever. One of my other final thoughts was there was no mention of Beth Phoenix. Yeah, there was. Where was that? In the beginning of the show, Morrow said Beth Phoenix is not here tonight due to the, uh, what's called, attack of Randy Orton. Okay. That also leads to something else I was going to mention about the previous weeks. We mentioned about how when Edge was attacked by by Randy, that it was a little weird that all these weeks that Beth was on the show. Yeah. So, I don't know. That was a little bit odd to me. Now, that totally flew over my head. I didn't hear them mention Beth at all. It was like right at the start, but we didn't, they didn't go into it they didn't elaborate just like just at the start after edge got attacked like she had like this little crying crying pouty face saying i just want to say before the show starts what randy did to my husband is deplorable and then a couple seconds later he's like yeah come on get like back to exciting yeah. show it's just like marl had to like throw that out there oh so tonight we're gonna to have two cage matches Tonight, also, Beth Phoenix is not here due to the disgusting attack by Randy Orton. And also, Velvet Dream Dream. Yeah, is you see, be- they kind of just, like, if yeah, they probably just, like, like, 
slid that in, you know, in between the lines. And so I didn't catch that personally. Mm -hmm. And it just felt weird because that was something that was big for them. It was kind of the talk. It spiked their ratings. So I thought there was going to be a little bit more um, kind of running with that. And that's what I was thinking, that there's no cohesiveness with NXT, Raw, SmackDown. Not to cut you off, G, but like I told you, that's why I would have had Randy do the exact same thing, but on NXT. I would have yeah. had him come out in RKO Beth Phoenix because, one, that will pop the rating for NXT. Wow, anything can happen. Randy Orton's here. And it also shows that everyone's on the same page because storylines on Raw could also finish out on NXT. So if I'm watching Raw and I found out the next week that this happened on NXT, holy crap, I got to watch NXT because anything can happen. Yes, yes, exactly. Exactly my thoughts. I thought it was a little telegraphed. I don't want to talk about, you know, Raw SmackDown, but it was telegraphed when I heard that Beth was going to give her quote-unquote update. It's like, come on. We all know fucking Randy's coming out RKOing her. So I'm not going to cheer or pop or whatever for it, all right? This this was just so telegraphed. But the way you mentioned it, if he would have showed up on NXT and confronted her in some capacity or she confronted him, yeah, that would have been interesting to me. I would have just had him come out like... In between matches, and everyone was like, wait, what is he doing here? Yeah. Get in the ring. Beth, get in the ring. I need to talk to you. Right? Or, we, we have to talk. And then do or, it from there. Or, or maybe you go a route where, you know, he was just lingering in the back, and he catches Beth backstage. This is prior to the show. Maybe you show a clip or something. But I would have thought that they could have been a little bit more creative with it. Yeah, I think that had to happen on NXT. But this is my point. Like, I just feel like the whole creativity with WWE right now is... There is not, actually. And it's WrestleMania season, so that's very worrisome. Yeah. But, yeah. Do you have any more final thoughts? Not really. I mean, like I said, you know, with all the negative stuff, I did think this was definitely two notches above. You know, a couple of weeks ago, like I said, it was a flat five. I think right now they're, they're like around a seven out of ten in my mind. So this was okay. But moving forward, I would like to see more in these shows. And I would like to see them stop biting off of AEW and what they're yeah. doing and playing catch-up. Because, guys, it's really fucking obvious. And then BSing saying, oh, we don't watch the competition. Yeah. Dude, you do. So, well, like I said, if they don't, if Triple H isn't, then someone in creative is. But, yeah, my final thoughts. One, uh, Keith Lee's promo I thought was okay. But then we get uh, interruption by Cameron Grimes. And it looks like that they're leading to the same four-way that we've seen a couple weeks ago that led to Keith Lee's number one contendership where it was crimes. (laughs) (laughs) Crime time. Yeah. Cameron Grimes, Dijakovic, and Damian Damian Priest Priest versus uh, what's called Keith Lee. Well, all of them in a four-way. By the way, I just wanted to say it was very awkward, that whole uh, promo back and forth. You have two guys who are kind of awkward on the mic. Well, I mean, Keith Lee was okay. It was really Cameron Grimes. He couldn't handle the fact of the crowd booing. And you see, this is where... Jericho shines and guys like that shine that can play into and and tell him to shut up or or get at them. He kept on trying to talk and finding his spot to talk over them. Buddy, they're not going to give it to you. Yeah. You know what I mean? You got to do something. They don't want to hear it. So why are you? Yeah, that was a moment for him to kind of make something of himself and kind of go at the crowd. And he didn't do that. And it was just awkwardness. And I think even Keith Lee felt that awkwardness and was just like, I got to shut this shit down right now. Yeah. So I agree with that. And I also think that if they are leading to that four way again, We've seen it. I am not too interested in that. Um, yeah, I mentioned the Shotzi thing. Just after watching the show, I, like, I'm like. i not trying to hate NXT. I love NXT, and we mentioned that in the past. Like, yeah, I too. was a fan of NXT since their first like show on the network, and I was watching ever since. I just think right now there's not much working for them, and I can't really think of many positives on this show because including the Swerve Scott versus Austin Theory match, I think that it was a little weird at the end, like the wrong winner, the wrong guy won. 
So when I walk away from a show and I can't even think of a positive and I think of all negatives, it's like, you know, it's a fail of a show. Like, that's my double F. It's a <laughs> failed, well. A fucking fail. Uh, yeah, if you want to say it. But yeah, so I think the whole show together, like, even, like, I was excited to see what Balor was going to do or against Imperium. It was just the same old Balor in, like, the backstage area doing his little smoky yeah. promo. The same smoke that they use for Dream's promos. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, hey, Dream, save some of that. All right. <laughs> the the street profits are like, we want the smoke for Balor's promo. <laughs> but, yeah. So I don't know. Like, it was just another show where it was like, mm. now AW's show was not as good as previous weeks. It was yeah, still a good yeah. show, but it still shined brighter than NXT this week. Yeah. Without so a doubt. my show of the week is AW. Yeah, I I gotta go with AEW as well. Um, definitely, they they continue with their stories. We also got uh, more continuation with the breaking of the elite with Hangman coming in and he flipped off uh, Matt Jackson. I thought that yeah. was a nice little touch to still continue you that. Going with it, yeah. Uh, we get Jake the Snake and and that was amazing. You know the 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 match with the Inner Circle and Darby was phenomenal. You know they were making a star there. Obviously, we, we got Colt. We, yeah, that, that was, a really, was a really good performance that, by Colt. That eight-man tag was a good match. And then also, I want to just give a shout-out, because I know I mentioned Pac and the, the Death Triangle. Yeah. But I want to just shout-out that match with uh, Chuck Taylor was pretty good. Yeah, it was. It was. It was, so, yeah. The, the quality matches were, were, were better. The, the storylines were still good. Mm-hmm. They still have me intrigued. The promo was phenomenal. I mean, from MJF to Cody, even to, to Jericho, Jake the Snake and Jericho. Mox, Mox. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know— they were again hitting it on the head. So, you know, I just again I want to see NXT take that that step. Mm-hmm. You know, right before uh, Portland uh, takeover, we started to see that, and I was very very hopeful. But they're starting to lose me now. You know, me too. And next week we get a change of the scenery, but it's just going to be at the Performance Center. I don't know how that's going to look. I yeah. remember they were at the Performance Center for uh, the halftime heat show two years ago during the Super Bowl, and it looked just like full sale so i'm not too excited for that uh-huh. but yeah aw with another week they won in the ratings as well their audience went up where nxt's went up just a notch aw went up almost another hundred thousand which was really good to see i want both audiences to continue to go up hopefully it goes up by bigger numbers yes but so yeah aw wins this week for me you said it for you it wins for you same here i hope we see more out of nxt next week yeah without a doubt without a doubt that's that's my sentiments definitely we'll catch you guys next week Again, thank you guys for sticking with us, and we appreciate you guys downloading from all over the world. Thank you. You, you make us global. Thank you. From iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case, Roe v. Wade. Starring Maya Hawke as 26-year-old lead attorney, Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee, William H. Macy, as Supreme Court Justice, Harry Blackman. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. Listen to the podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, on the iHeart Radio app or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 